Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. We're in the right order this week. I'm (laughs) saying hello, not you. (laughs) Don't do that to me again. You sounded great. You, you threw me right off my stride. Did I? <laughs> Made me introduce the whole thing. <laughs> I need a support act. You were fantastic. I thought, thank you for your support. I shall wear it always. <laughs> there it is again. <laughs> there it is again. Let's uh, talk about the news, straight in with the news, shall we? Um, what's recommended for the season ahead? The sort of products people should be looking for before all these bank holidays. I know. It's, we've got several of them this month, haven't we? Well, in the shop. Our own shop at thatleisureshop.com. I would recommend to you our beautiful Crespo furniture. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you sat in one one of the chairs? Uh, no, I haven't. They are incredible. Very are light. Very light. They fold very flat. They're made of a brilliant material that just doesn't let water soak into it at all. It's non-absorbent, so they dry really quickly. You can leave them outside in the rain. Uh, and they are just so comfortable. Literally four kilos, something like that. We've got loads of them. We're one of the UK's biggest stockists of Crespo tables, chairs, and all the other accessories they come with. We've also got a beautiful range of products from Bowcamp. They're a Dutch company. And the most stunning LED lights, USB rechargeable, really beautiful bamboo effect kind of furniture. It's gorgeous, lovely, lovely for the garden and for taking away in the camper. Fantastic. Uh, the amount of questions we get on uh, payload, I and mean, do back to the Crespo for a minute, uh, uh, you know, and how light they are. Yeah. I mean, that's one that addresses the, the payload issue, which so many people ask you about every week in, week out. Every week we get a question relating to payload. Yeah, it's a big topic. The whole podcast is brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. Let's talk about smart motorways. Uh, You spoke to the president of the AA, Edmund King, uh, some weeks ago. Go in and have a look for that podcast. It really is a a good listen. He said at the time that the AA was uh, actually campaigning against the expansion of the smart motorway uh, network. We've got some news on that. We have. Rishi Sunak has agreed there will be no more funding for further smart motorways, which is a real triumph. So Edmund, well done. That's a win. Edmund actually wants them scrapped and abolished altogether. So his campaign is to bring back the hard shoulder. Yes, uh, if you don't know about smart motorways, most people do, but if you don't, uh, what happens is the hard shoulder is converted into a running lane uh, when the motorway gets very busy. That means that they have to then build sort of shelters, sort of bits if you break down you can go into. However, over the years, a lot of people have broken down in what was the hard shoulder and had become the running lane and actually... uh, Quite a few people had lost their lives because, as you might be aware, when you're on the motorway yourself, not everybody is concentrating. Uh, So Edmund King spoke to you, and you should go back and and, and watch and listen to that podcast, and said to you, if you're driving something like an MX-5, the technology on the smart motorways, actually, you were invisible to that technology. didn't know you were there at all. So if you did break down in a low-profile car, it could be the motorway would stay open. If If you're in a car as low as an MX-5 or lower, yeah, the detection radar doesn't pick you up. And that's a fact. Uh, and then, of course, if it if it 
does pick you up, you're still then reliant on the red X turning on and then a driver acknowledging the red X and reacting to it. And if you imagine you're at night, you've got an alternator or battery failure, it's dark, you've got no lights on your car, you've come to a stop in the inside lane and you're in an MX-5 or a Z4 or low Porsche or something, uh, and you are completely at risk of something coming into the back of you at speed. So get out of the car immediately, get over that fence, the metal fence, and get yourself safe. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter whether your car gets totaled or not. The important thing is you live through the experience. And you make a good point there. If you've got a battery failure, I was once going along in my Volvo, and yeah, the sign came up and it said complete electrical failure. Mm-hmm. I think it must have been the glitch because I didn't have it completely electrical failure but you know you can't put the hazards on can you no that's right it's definitely worth buying an led beacon we sell them on the shop and in spain the rules are changing around the uh, warning triangle in favor of an led beacon that can be seen from one kilometer away and we're actually now stocking them in the shop they are brilliant they have a magnetic base so if you're in the car you just literally clip it straight on the car and it comes on you don't even have to get out but my recommendation as you say is get a beacon and get out of the car and get to safety, climb over that low fence. I was on a smart motorway the other day, there was an eight-foot concrete wall. Really? So if you broke down there, you'd have to walk up the motorway to get off it. It's just ridiculous. So I'm a big supporter of Edmund and his campaign to scrap them completely. We've gone in a step in the right direction. So Rishi, thank you. If you're listening, (laughs) we don't want them at all. Turn them all off. Let's have the hard shoulder back, please. Because the work has been done. In fact, some has recently been completed down in the Reading area on the M4. Yeah. Uh, so you're saying you want them stripped out. Let's get rid of them. Let's have the hard shoulder back. I think the red X's are a good idea for any running lane, but we we just need that safety of the hard shoulder. And remember, with the red X, they've been having big radio campaigns. If you've been listening to commercial radio, go right when you see a red X. Go right is the advert. And also, if you ignore a red X and you get caught, £1,000 fine. When you see the red X, get out of the lane. Let's talk about camper van campout. What the <laughs> hell is that then, Matt? It's a brand new festival organised by the team at Warner's, at Warner's Shows. Uh, and it's a, a whole weekend for van lifers. So it's lots of live music, uh, lots of stalls, exhibitions, so lots of traders. We're taking the shop to it. Uh, so the whole team... Uh, from the shop are going Andy, Mandy, Darren and Jude it runs in Ardingly from the 5th to the 7th of May camping tickets for the weekend have gone or sold out Uh, but there is still an opportunity to get day visitor passes but check on the website outandaboutlive.co.uk forward slash shows and see if the tickets are still available as we record this they are Give it a go, you never know. Uh, Let's talk about the Sahara Challenge and Bailey Caravans and how comes we weren't invited? (laughs) Well, there you are. I've got ten reasons why you weren't invited, Keith. (laughs) One of them is payload. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, Yeah, Bailey of Bristol uh, have just come back from the desert. They took two caravans and a motorhome and a whole load of the, the great and the good from YouTube, plus some industry superstars. Not us, Keith, I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah, maybe oh. next time. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> but they dragged these caravans, towed them, and drove a motorhome all the way out to Morocco. It's a fantastic trip. We've been following it on socials. Uh, we actually went down to Bailey. Of course, they're just down the road from us, aren't they? I grew up, in fact, uh, cycling around the perimeter fence, uh, watching, looking in at all the caravans and motorhomes. And they still didn't invite you? No, they still didn't invite <laughs> me. No. We went down and spoke to some of the senior team who just got back from Morocco. And I was intrigued as to why... They went to the Sahara. 
Well, the reasons why we do these uh, big adventures are like three main reasons. So the first one is to show, to prove to people that you can do anything with a Bailey caravan or motorhome. And of course, you can go to Morocco. We also tried this trip in 2020, so we were determined to finish it. Um, the other reason why we do these uh, big adventures is trips are to show people that we enjoy using the products as as much as as much as people do really i think people is engage with the content a lot on social media uh, because of that because it's it's us it's bailey staff is is bailey marketing director managing director using the products that uh, we manufacture here in in bristol and the third reason is just to to prove and to show that caravans and motorhomes are up to up to the challenge really they they did very well in the trip they perform incredibly well and obviously it's, it's an amazing proof that they are up to that challenge of, of going to morocco and back so you say you started the trip in 2020 you've not been in the sahara desert for three years have you you had to come back didn't you because of covid how far did you get on the first trip Yes, so when we tried um, to do it in 2020, we made it to Portugal, to the end of the war in Sagres, in south and the south coast coast of Portugal, and that's when, when we had to return home. So that's, that was the reason why we decided to start the trip where we finished last time in Sagres. I'm here with Simon as well. <laughs> Simon, were you on the first trip? I was on the first trip, Matt, yes. So, uh, yeah, it was a very interesting but short trip, but uh, obviously we got as far as Sagres and then we um, saw the ferry bookings had all been cancelled and the Moroccans had closed the borders because of COVID. At that time, there was no, no, no COVID in the UK. There was a bit in the Far East, but... But Spain was was closing down, locking down, as was France. So we really had to rush back double quick to get home. And just as we did, the UK went to lockdown as well. So it was obviously great to be back, but it was obviously frustrating uh, that we couldn't complete the trip. So it was top of our list to do it again as soon as travel permission allowed. And how long was the trip this time? Um, the trip from start to finish was 19 days, so um, we travelled a total of about 2,735 miles um, going through Portugal, Spain and Morocco and then back through Spain and we caught the ferry from Bilbao again and we ended up south of Morocco, so we travelled the length of the country, crossed the ferry um, from Tangier and then we went past Rabat, Casablanca, Marrakesh over the spectacular Atlas Mountains and then we drove down probably about 20 miles from the the southern border of Morocco so the border with Algeria and then we drove off the roads into the desert and spent two wonderful nights under the stars in the Sahara and then from there um, we went back over the Atlas Mountains and up through the country um, to Tangier again and then caught the ferry and then drove back through Spain. Why the Sahara Desert? You could have gone to Barrow or Breen. (laughs) Burnham-on-Sea. Freedom, Burnham, Burnham. They're lovely, uh, and... Anyway, lots of our customers go there and have fantastic holidays. But what we want to show is if you want to go farther afield, um, caravans and motorhomes really allow you to do that. Yeah. Sahara, from our point of view, um, being totally selfish, is, is, is the birthplace of the caravan. It's where the first caravans began crossing the desert. Obviously, they weren't touring caravans like us. They were caravans with camels. So we really wanted to take caravans and motorhomes back to their roots. Yeah. So, uh, And also, we, we've done a couple of cold journeys. So we've been to the Arctic Circle, so we thought, let's test the caravans and motorhomes in, in some warm climates and where better to do that in the yeah. Sahara Desert. Now I know you took a film crew with you uh, and they were capturing lots of content. Where can people see that? 
So we've been documenting the travel, our travels in on all our social media channels and also on the Bailey website, baileyofprisoners.co.uk. So um, that will be the, the main place where people can find all the content that we, are, we have been publishing and that we will publish in the next uh, few days as well. Now, Simon, you confessed that you broke a jockey wheel on one of the caravans. I think that was you. But how did they fare on this trip? I mean, it was pretty extreme. It was hot. The terrain in places was pretty rough, particularly when you're going off-road. But how did they fare? The vehicles all stood up really well. We took two caravans, two Phoenix caravans, and one Adamo motorhome. Uh, they were standard production vehicles. We didn't modify them in any way. The only real change we made for the tyres, we went with, with off-road tyres because of the conditions we like to expect. Yeah. But fundamentally, they, they stood up extremely well. The caravans were towed by MSRT Ford Rangers powerful four-wheel drive so we weren't really that surprised with how well they coped but the Ford-based Adamo motorhome two-wheel drive was absolutely fantastic both through the sand in the desert and in the semi-made roads in the uh, Atlas Mountains so overall the, the, the vehicles performed very very well indeed. And it was front-wheel drive and didn't get stuck? Didn't get stuck once. No, no. Amazingly, in spite of my driving, no, no, we managed to get there. We really, without it, we didn't even have a puncture. Overall, we were quite fortunate that the the gods were with us. But uh, I think that the local driving uh, habits were probably more of a risk than the road conditions. I mean, particularly in the cities, that was quite adventurous. So if you are going to Morocco, I'd avoid trying to drive in the cities. But the main roads were fine. There was a lot of dual carriageway, a lot of toll roads that you find in Spain and France. And they were very straightforward to drive on. Now, Simon, while I've got you... Just a very quick comment from you. We've had so much content and commentary from our listeners on the challenges over the last few years with people seeing motorhomes, particularly more so than caravans, being delayed. What's your kind of prediction for this year? Well, things are improving. There's no doubt they were very difficult during 2021, 2022, but 23 has certainly been better. And from Ford in particular, we're getting a regular supply of cabs now, and we are... Uh, producing all production to target at the moment with motorhomes which which is good Um, we've still got a bit of a backlog to cash up on but uh, we are getting there so I think by the end of this year certainly with Ford vehicles we'll be confident that we can produce to order uh, with relatively short lead times sadly not the case with the Stantis group at the moment supply is still a bit patchy from them so anyone looking at a Bailey autograph motorhome particularly will have to wait for the product but certainly one of our key suppliers has, has, has got their house in order in terms of supply and we're confident now that we can say offer product um, at more regular intervals for people without the extensive delays that they've experienced over the past so overall it, it is getting better but it, it very much depends which base vehicle and I think if you if you look at the, the market now if you went to the NEC show you're seeing a lot more vehicles on Ford platforms uh, as opposed to Peugeot Ford platforms because Ford certainly seem very committed to the market yeah. and uh, they've certainly geared up their production in their Turkish um, commercial vehicle plant yeah. for motorhome manufacturing in the UK. What about the percentage of caravans and motorhome sales there feels like there's a growth in motorhomes more so than caravans is that is that fair to say it would be fair to say yeah i mean we we both groups uh, both sectors grew um during lockdown because we had a lot of new people trying the uh, pastime for the first time so that's really encouraging but since um lockdown has finished and covid is is hopefully becoming a distant memory. Motorhome growth is certainly growing faster than than caravans in all sectors. Obviously, there's a bit of backlog with, with sales, deferred sales, with people not being able to get hold of the product. But certainly, 
motorhomes is, is, is growing faster than caravans, which, which, is, which is also pretty buoyant. You know, yeah. We're pretty comfortable with both. From a Bailey point of view, the, the ratio at the moment is about five to one caravans to motorhomes. I mean, bearing right. in mind we've been making caravans since 1948, and we've only been making motorhomes for a little over 10 years. Obviously, we're known as a caravan manufacturer, but we see motorhomes as, as a very important part of our growth as a business because clearly that's where a lot of the the interest and, and the growth potential is going to be. Guys, thank you both very, very much. Thanks for coming. It's great to see you. If you ever want to pop around and have a look around the uh, production line, we're happy to do with that, that with you sometime if that's of interest to your listeners. Yeah. We would love to do that. Thank you, Simon. That's great. Thanks, Christina. Thank you. I've popped into the Peterborough show just to help our team at that leisure shop get set up before I head off on holiday and I've bumped into one of the superstars from the Sahara Challenge trip. It's Tash, how are you? I am fantastic, thank you. So this is Tash from Life Beyond Bricks. Tash lives in her motorhome with her husband and three cats, although not always in that order. (laughs) That's true, there is a priority order. So Tash, how was it for you? What, the Sahara Challenge? Yes. Sahara yeah, not living with John. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, that's a whole other story. No, it was absolutely incredible. Um, on a professional level, uh, it was so impressive to see how two standard caravans and a standard motorhome coped uh, going around the Atlas Mountains, through the Sahara, all through the roads of Morocco. But on a personal level, it was actually really good to push myself and it made me realise that I, A, know a lot more about driving a bigger vehicle than I remembered and B, yeah, just really good to push myself and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And to be honest, when I got back, it inspired me to jump into our motorhome um, and just get driving and get stuck in. So it was fantastic. Now, you can't actually drive your motorhome because it's over three and a half tonnes, isn't it? And so you can only drive it with L plates on and John in the passenger seat. Is that right? That is correct. So when we first bought the motorhome, it was three and a half uh, tonne. But then, of course, when we went full time, we needed the extra payload. Mm-hmm. So we uprated it. John did his Class C, so he can do uh, Class 2 HGV driving, so he can drive it. But that is correct. I technically can't drive it now, but has he's had his licence for three years. Yeah. He can now take me out with L plates on so it looks fantastic you see this beautiful A-class motorhome big old L plates <laughs> and me and trying to look over the you at the wheel absolutely <laughs> and what was the highlight of the Sahara challenge for you then other than being inspired mm. to get back and drive your own motorhome yep. what was a big highlight of the trip itself as I say I think seeing that you don't need a big fancy overlanding vehicle to be able to literally go anywhere but for me personally in Morocco I was just so the, the people were so lovely everyone was so welcoming and I was really surprised by the different landscapes you know as you go from north to south, yeah. or south to north, whichever way we went um, the landscape changes and it was it was incredible you know you go from what I expected to see like the kind of dry lands and things like that but then all of a sudden it was lush green right. and then we went through these really wealthy areas where the, there's like um, a German uh, sort of ski inspired town in the middle and we drove through it and it was it was a real assault on the senses I have to say wow. but it was fantastic what a great summary. Well, congratulations on achieving it. Welcome back, and uh, maybe I'll see you on the next one. Yeah, maybe we'll get you along on the next challenge, yeah? It's the Motorhome Matt podcast, brought to you with leisureshop.com. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. Good to have you along. Right then, let's get into the meat of it. Let's delve into why we're here today. When is a motorhome a good choice for a holiday with kids? Now, I would say... All the time. Kids love motorhomes, don't they? They do. My kids have all grown up having motorhome holidays and probably some of their most memorable, I have to say. In fact, we had a, a customer return from a motorhome hire holiday with us 
a motorhome holiday company and he said you know what he said we've been to LA we've been to Austria they've been lots of exotic places he said you know this holiday around Dorset and Devon is the one the kids will always talk about went away for a week in a motorhome from us yeah taking the kids in a motorhome or a caravan uh, on a holiday you've got to really make plans haven't you so let's start with the easiest to take on uh, holiday in your motorhome yeah Size of children, rug rats, ankle biters. It's the babies, isn't it? Because they don't move around. They don't go anywhere. No, no. I remember my eldest, our firstborn, Neve, was probably three or four weeks old when we took her away in the motang. And she just laid in the Moses basket and didn't budge. Yeah, it's that first moment, isn't it, when you re- you realise you've put the child down somewhere and you look round. And they're gone. And they're gone. <laughs> it's the, the icy fingers that grip your heart. Yeah. Or when you, you either put them on the end of the bed in the bedroom, then you hear that thump when you, when you, you, you put the clothes in. <laughs> You're a good parent, aren't you? <laughs> oh, no, 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 what have I done? I'm surprised Nate's made it this far in life, I'll be honest. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's true. They they go through phases, don't they? Like chapters of danger. Uh, and the first is crawling. They have no awareness of where they're going. We had an internal step in our motorhome and with the door, the back door shut, I had to make a piece of wood like a shelf to block the step off uh, because Nee just wanted to make a bid for this step and fall down it. So that it can be dangerous when they start crawling. And then, of course, they start walking and running and the risk is they run off. I've seen kids on dog leads attached to motorhomes in the past. <laughs> well, when I was growing up in the olden days, people would have toddlers, you know, on reins, on, 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 reins, on a harness yeah. to stop them doing that. And then everybody said how cruel it was. It wasn't cruel. I mean, they have no sense of danger. No, it's true. There's no, no self-preservation is there at all. So certainly newborns are dead easy. Toddlers are harder. Uh, and this is, of course, when you get to your destination but then there's the issue is when you're traveling as well is keeping them occupied uh, when you're there what happens when it rains you know what do you do so a wet motorhome holiday or caravan holiday can become expensive because you start doing stuff that you have to pay for um, so you're heading indoors going bowling or you know whatever you're doing indoors and it costs money so that can be a consideration we would have uh, something we called the rule of three we would spend two nights and three days in the wet and then that's it we'd knock it on the head and go home Uh, and then when we were traveling we'd travel for three hours and that would be the most time we'd spend driving so we called it the rule of three and it's actually a really good benchmark for planning your trip i find that most people who are new to a motorhome or campervan holiday over egg the motor bit and under egg the home so they they spend far too long driving and not enough time just relaxing uh, and so two nights on a campsite, I think, is a good place to start good advice. Yeah, and then the kids start saying, you know, when you've been driving alongside, yeah, I need a poo or I need a wee. <laughs> and you do see people pulling over on hard sh- shoulders. We talked about hard shoulders earlier, yeah, with the kids and having a wee, and that's something you should never do. But, uh, you, you know, make sure that in the camper van you have got uh, the facility for the, to take account of that. But, but you'll know with your own child whether they're just saying it because they're bored and they want yeah. to do something different or whether they really do need to go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a consideration. Don't overplan as well. I mean, yeah, we see people heading off on a motorhome holiday which they've hired you know for their week away and they've got these massive plans we're going to go here we're going to go there we're going to do this we're going to do that and and that's fine but there's a risk you can over plan and there's, there's, you don't then plan to enjoy anything you know you're just constantly focused on the schedule i think having nights in campsites 
pre-booked, especially in summer holidays, or any school holiday, is a sensible idea. And particularly if it's a popular and busy campsite, I must say we would avoid big corporate campsites and we would go to smaller campsites with a loo and you know a, a toilet facility and fresh water and that's it you know just a field and my kids have had brilliant holidays in a grass field and that's it with maybe a climbing frame uh, and they've learned to fly kites ride bikes on campsites or even on the beach you know we would go to barrow beach near us here we drive the motel on the beach we had boxing day on the beach once cooked christmas lunch and spent all day on the beach. It was cold, <laughs> but we had a great day. But as you said yourself earlier, it's when it's raining. That's when it's challenging. Yeah, kids will love yeah. a field. They love the beach, and they'll run around and run themselves into a ground, but uh, into the ground. But when you know you've all got to stay indoors because it's uh, uh, thrashing down with rain. I mean, it, to be honest with you, it's a good reason to keep up with the weather forecasts. I mean, these oh, days on yeah. on Tinternet, it's very easy to do that. Yeah, it is. Uh, one thing I'd say when my kids got older, they started bodyboarding. And the rain didn't matter because they're all day in wetsuits in the sea anyway. So what about other people? You're taking your child on holiday. Let's say you've got a toddler, so you you want to avoid them when you get to your destination, crawling under other motorhomes and you're keeping them safe. You you have to watch them, you know, when you've got (laughs) kids. I mean, everybody who's got kids knows this. You can't take your eyes off them uh, when they're that age, you know, two to four. But what about the attitude of other people? Do people who've had kids understand what it's like to look after them? But the people who've never had kids, are they a pain in the behind when it comes to other people's kids? I suppose a bit like dogs, isn't it? You get dog lovers and those that don't. Uh, That is true, certainly, yeah. And we would pick campsites that are family friendly. So we joined the camping and caravanning club. They're called the Friendly Club, and they are they specialise in having campsites which are geared for families. And I think if you go to one of those campsite destinations and you haven't got children, then you know all of the marketing material features kids in it. You know, it's obviously a family-friendly uh, organisation, so it would be a little bit naive to go there and go, oh, all these kids. You know, if if you really don't want to go to a campsite where there are kids, you can go to adult-only campsites oh yeah uh, yeah and they're not all throwing their keys in a bowl <laughs> there's a really lovely adult only campsite near here in the chew valley it's beautiful and the kids aren't allowed it's, it is adult only and it's a, a regular campsite we're not you know featuring alan rogers again and doing nudist campsites there's nothing like that so you were talking earlier about keeping the kids entertained the good old board games uh, do you notice these days that we live in a one-handed society uh, everybody has got their phone and they're constantly glued to it and particularly if you've got kids aged between seven to about 11 that's when it really gets under their skin but board games kids love a board game they, they do and and talking board game let the kids get bored yeah, that's what I say. They then get creative. Yeah. I'm bored, Mum. Okay, well, find something to do. Exactly, yeah. My kids grew up having lots of motorhome holidays really before the mobile phone was a real thing. So they didn't have a phone in their pocket because my kids were born at a time, you know, before they were really prolific. And it's hard to get them off a phone now. My boys are teenage and they're just on their phones all the time. But they did love getting out, getting on a bike, as I say, flying a kite, kicking a ball, you know, just encourage them to go out and do this stuff because we haven't forgotten how to do it but it isn't the first thing that kids default to no um, it's not and and if you are stuck in there for a few hours 
cook something you know yeah make some make some apple tarts or some jam tarts or something and the kids yeah. love cooking don't but they but the tech is really important so make sure when you're planning that you've got chargers battery packs you're in a vehicle that's got usb charging points when the engine's off that you can still recharge all that stuff if you're on an electric hookup that's easy because you can plug in all your iphone chargers take a four gang extension lead you know with the four sockets on so you can charge everything overnight uh, and make sure you take the charger cable um, and that's one way I've always found of, you know, managing my kids' time on a on a device is I take the charger cable away. Yeah. Let them have the device and say, well, you can manage your time on it. I'm taking the charger away. And when they can get out, they can make friends, can't they? Yeah, that's one of the best things the kids do. We always used to go away with our friends in their motomes as well. Uh, and that was a big highlight for my kids. In fact, I asked Ruben, one of my sons, his memories of going away in a motome. Definitely one of my favourite memories is when uh, you used to come home with a most home. And no matter what, I'd get excited seeing a most home and be like, yes, we're going on holiday. <laughs> Were we not always going on holiday then? No, sometimes you would just bring home the most home to do a photo shoot. We'd film a video in it, but I'd always get excited no matter what. That's the joy of your dad having a motome dealership. I remember <laughs> coming in the house and you'd be running down the stairs with your suitcase packed saying, Dad, I'm packed. But what was in the suitcase? Do you remember? All the essentials. Teddy bears. <laughs> no clothes, just teddy bears. And what do you remember best about going away in a motome? I love to go away with friends, have a barbecue, stay the night in the motome. And we used to go away with friends with their own motomes as well, didn't we? Yeah, waved them as we were on the motorway. <laughs> we did. So what were some of your favourite destinations that we'd go to in the motome? Can you remember? I love the campsite with the pirate ship in the lake. Oh, the River Dart Country Park. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was great. We used to spend loads of time in the lake in the water, didn't we? Yeah, it's definitely a good one. Yeah. Another one is Woodlands. We used to go there for a weekend and we used to go on all the rides during the day, come back to the motorhome and have a barbecue. <laughs> the joys are living near Devon. Yeah, that was certainly a good place. And then we used to go a lot to a campsite with a forest next to it. It's called Forest Glade, do you remember? Yeah, definitely. Very memorable. And it had a zip wire... Um, had the indoor pool as well, didn't it? Oh, yeah. We used to collect up a bunch of woods and make a campfire. Yeah, we did. That was cool. They used to give us a fire pit, didn't they? We're talking in this episode about travelling with kids. What do you remember about the journey? How did we keep you occupied? I had a DVD player, so I just put DVDs in, just watch it and keep me occupied for about two hours. It was like a laptop DVD player, wasn't it? But it was before iPads. <laughs> yeah. We definitely played a lot of Ice Spy. And what was one of your favourite pastimes when we were travelling? Waving at motorhomes and sticking my tongue out at caravans. You never played motorway snooker? What's that? I'm trying desperately now to, to remember it. <laughs> you, you look for a red car, okay, okay, and the first person to spot the red car, you put the red car, yeah, and then you look for a colour. Okay. So, like, the, you've got the red and then you've got the green, blue, brown, blue, pink and you black. You've got it. And all the, so then you look for one of the colours and you keep score by, do, by doing that. Oh, I see. Yeah? And that's motorway snooker. No, we never played that. Yeah, we should do <laughs> Whiles away the hours. Interesting to hear that, isn't it, really? Because um, he's explaining what it's like through a child's eyes and the excitement, the anticipation. And as an adult, you've, you mustn't ever let that be dulled, must no. you? No. I mean, I did regularly turn up on the drive with a motorhome and then disappoint him and say, no, we're not going on holiday. He'd be there literally with his suitcase. I'm ready. I'm Where are we going? But no. <laughs> I remember one time at Fort, we talked about Forest Glade. He turned up back at the motorhome soaking wet and looking a bit forlorn. And I said, what's wrong? 
and he'd been on his bike and he'd ridden into the duck pond, <laughs> fallen in. <laughs> It's the Motorhome Map podcast brought to you with that leisureshop.com. Let's talk about some of the rules and regulations that you need to keep an eye on when you're travelling with kids going on holiday in your motorhome or caravan. What yeah. are they? Well, you can't cook them a meal when you're travelling. Kids get hungry on the move, don't they? So have easy snacks to hand, I well, would Can say. you use a microwave? No. Well, it's electric. Of course you can't. You're not right. plugged in. Your lead's not long enough. Okay. <laughs> it won't reach just, down the M6. Just, just asking. <laughs> so what should you do? What should you be packing? I would say easy to reach for snacks. So easy things to eat that aren't messy. You don't have to prepare anything. Making sandwiches on the move, kind of you could do that, I suppose, as long as you're staying in a spelted seat. You know, that needs to be done But don't you make sandwiches before you leave? Yeah, of course, you should do. And get organised. So prepare a snack for the journey and plan where you're going to stop as well. Um, so if they want to get out and use the loo, they can. I, we talked about this before, driving back from Lyme Regis. I smelt the toilet as I was driving, turned around, and Ruben was getting back in his car seat, <laughs> having gone for a pee. <laughs> he left the toilet's lid up and the bathroom door swinging. <laughs> so what are you doing? So I'm clipping myself in, Dad. <laughs> Been for a wee. Kids, so, they're, they're yeah, wonderful, aren't they? Yeah, make sure they ask. Let's talk about seat belts and car seats. You just mentioned seats, didn't you? But what are the rules? I mean, you've got the child. We yeah. know the adults have got to, to wear seat belts. Yeah. Uh, we know that there are, uh, are uh, laws and restrictions on children in seats. We've covered that uh, before. But you mentioned something about not travelling sideways a little bit earlier on. Yeah, that's right. So people often travel in an unbelted seat and sideways seats are illegal to travel in in a motorhome. In fact, they're being sort of phased out on public transport as well now because it's acknowledged that they are very, very dangerous because our spines don't bend sideways in an accident. So you must make sure the kids are belted in. In fact, everyone should be belted in. We have done a whole episode on seat belts uh, and safety of, of them and, and the legal requirements of them. But the same rules apply in a motorhome to the child as they do in the car. So if they need a booster or a full car seat, then the same rules apply. And children under 12 can't travel in the front in France unless there's no back seat available. Can you just talk us through that one? Because it looks obvious, but it's not as obvious as it sounds, is it? No, so it's very tempting. My kids always want to travel in the front. Dad, can I go in the front? It's a constant argument in the car. Shotgun! (laughs) I don't know what the obsession is, I have to say. But they're always arguing to go in the front. If you're under 12, you're legally not allowed to travel in the front of any vehicle in France. So unless there is no back seat with a seat belt available and then they could travel in the front. But that is the only exception. So I hope we've covered um, a lot of the things uh, that uh, you've been concerned about if you've never taken the kids uh, in a motorhome uh, holiday before or caravan. But if you've got some tips that we haven't covered that you'd like to tell us about, we'd love to hear from you, wouldn't we, Matt? Yeah, you can do that. Get in touch with us at motorhomematt.co.uk forward slash ask Matt. Just fill in the form or hit the orange button and record your question. It's the Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with that leisureshop.com. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. It's my favourite bit of the whole show when we hear from you, the audience, the people that listen to us. First of all, we've got Jane in Herefordshire. I was wondering if you would be able to do some YouTube videos on how to set up your camper van ready to go on a, a weekend away, how to organise yourself in a very small kitchen, we realised the Ford Nugget wasn't big enough and I also nearly set it on, on fire with my son in the pop-top purely because the space in the kitchen is so small. 
So how do you cook in a kitchen for a family of four? What's the best way to put your things in the cupboards with a limited space that you have? Any tips and hacks of maximising the space? And just generally how to, how to get it ready for spring, how to clean the water pipes, how to put the electric on, how to check that the batteries are, are charged and, and won't let you down, how to fill it up with water, how to sort the toilet out to stop it from splashing around when you're driving, how to empty it, how to clean it, how to dispose of it, just how to do everything. Thanks very much, Matt. So that's Jane in Herefordshire. She wants to know just about anything. Is your book coming out for Christmas? <laughs> because think... it sounds like she's going to be buying a copy. <laughs> buying two, I think. I'll sign one and send it to her. Gosh, there's a long list there, Jane. Have you thought about buying a cottage instead of a motel? <laughs> Might be less of a or worry. taking the train. <laughs> I'd say one of the things to do, Jane, listening to this podcast is definitely going to help you because there's lots in there that we've covered. Even little hacks like going into Asda in the fruit and veg section and if you see somebody stealing the pre-cut bits of bubble wrap, go and ask them what motome they've got. They're cutting squares, uh, wrap around the melons and so on, and people use them to put between the plates. It's a brilliant idea. To stop them rattling. Yeah. Great, a fantastic <laughs> idea. And the thing is, Jane, and Matt makes a very good point, we've covered a lot of this stuff in previous uh, podcasts. So, you know, I'm not giving you the bums rush here. Really, we have covered it. And there's lots and lots of info in there. If you start listening now, uh, maybe uh, you'll have finished listening to all the key podcasts that cover all your questions by the time your summer holiday comes around. <laughs> Hopefully. The other thing you could do, Jane, I'd recommend going to the Motome Holiday Company website, motomeholidaycompany.com com and there you will find all our videos and user guides so each motorhome is explained how to use the heating how to use the toilet how to put the water in how to get the water out and we do that they're kind of half an hour tutorials that we give to our higher customers and covid forced us to make these videos because all our handovers were done on video and they still are they're such a useful resource so i would definitely get in touch with the team at motem holiday company and we'll send you a link so you can go and watch an appropriate video Hope that helps, Jane. Thanks for getting in touch. Always appreciated. Celia has written to us, Matt, says, Someone told me you won't find three and a half thousand kilogram motorhome of seven metre or just under with a payload of more than 500 kilograms. Is that right, she says. Do I need to review my criteria list? Now, this again is payload. We get asked a lot about payload. Yeah, such a big topic, isn't it? It's a bit of a generalist comment to say there is no motorhome. I'm not sure that's true in fact i'm pretty certain that isn't true one thing i would say if you're looking to buy a motorhome i would consider buying an older motorhome which has got less technology in it so the new chassis have got extra airbags sat navs an automatic gearbox carries a weight the new engines are heavier and the chassis just have more stuff on them before it even becomes a motorhome so motorhomes themselves have had to get lighter as a result so that there is a usable payload at the end of it but the older motorhomes often had greater payload so that may be a consideration Brilliant. Paul Duffy's in Durham and uh, listens to the podcast. He says, my wife and I plan to visit France for six weeks this year and will be taking two mobile phones on the same network and a Netgear router on a different UK network. Is there any way we can avoid or minimise roaming charges accruing on all three devices? Uh, now, roaming charges... We've all read the horror stories in some newspapers and since Brexit as well, the Mm. EU roaming laws don't apply in this country. 
What's the answer to the question? Well, I mean, the costs aren't that great, really, are they? I mean, the, the, the kind of cap on the network providers to charge a, a maximum amount has been lifted since we left the EU. So, But in reality, they're not going for it, are they? I mean, you were telling me a Sky were charging you, what, £2? Yeah, uh, I use Sky as my network provider on my phone, and uh, they gave me unlimited roaming in France, and I've used it before in Italy as well, and on Sicily, an island too, um, for £2 a day. And when you arrive, it says, this is Sky, we can offer you this roaming, it's £2, it'll start now unless you cancel, and then 24 hours goes by, and half an hour before it clicks over again, it reminds you that it's going to charge you another £2. That's £2 per phone per day, and I didn't think that was too bad. In fact, I thought that was very good, because in the UK, when it says 4G on your phone, I reckon it's 3G plus just a tiny a bit, bit over 4 Just 4G. enough. On the continent, 4G is proper 4G, and yeah. you can do proper uh, roaming and uh, Googling and, and all the rest of it. But that's what it costs me, yeah. uh, which I didn't think was too bad. No, I mean, it's not too bad, but if you're doing your full 90-day entitlement, you know, if that's what Paul's doing, that's going to add up, isn't it? Um, that's going to be £180. <clears throat> it will, yeah. depends how much he's using it, though. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, turn uh, it off. <laughs> one thing you could consider, Paul, is actually buying a local SIM. So go into a you know, news agent or local shop and buy that country's SIM card and just use that on a pay-as-you-go mm -hmm. and then you won't pay a premium. I did actually have a call from a chap in the UK who is launching a SIM card which is roaming charge free. And it uses EE in the UK, but it's based in France. So it's a... It, it's new to the market. We're having a conversation with him about it at the moment, and we'll bring you some more details on that in the future. So there's plenty to choose from at the moment. As you heard, uh, some new deals may be up and coming. I think the thing, uh, Paul, is uh, when it gets closer to you going uh, on your trip, it's just to really delve down a bit, spend spend a couple of hours seeing what the best deal is for you because things change yeah. quickly, don't they? They do, and it is a can of worms. I, I have a whole presentation on Wi-Fi on the move, which I'm giving at a lot of the shows. Uh, so if you're coming to any of the Warner shows this year and there, there's a speaker programme, I'm on it and some of them include this conversation we're having and presentation we're having about Wi-Fi on the move. And I try and unpack some of the myths. I mean, there's three questions, really, I ask in the presentation. I'll spoil it for you now. <laughs> the first thing is, what are you planning to do with your data connection? Where are you going to do it? And how often? Those are, the I think, the three key questions. How much data do you use every day, Keith? Um, I don't think a huge amount. Um, I don't really know, but I think well, about 11 megabytes. So you, most people have no idea. No, I don't really know. Now, but, Ruben, but, but who when, you heard from but, just now. Yeah, but when it does pop up, I'm always shocked by how much it is. Yeah, I must quite. Admit. Yeah. Well, Ruben, who you heard from just now, knows exactly how much data he uses. About day 20 in a month, he knows when his data renews on his phone. And around day 20, he will always ask me, Dad, how much data have I got left? Yeah. Because he knows he's got a limited amount per month, 11 gig or something, that he has in his phone network package, and he wants to make sure he's not used it all up. Yeah, we went for a network package which allows us to transfer unused data from phone, for say, my wife, my, me and my wife's phone, to my son, who's 17's phone. Yeah. Um, and, and so it means we can transfer around. So, like I said, there's lots of deals out there. Yeah, definitely. I think we should do an episode on this, trying to unpack which SIM was best for you and why. Should we do that? Yeah. Might I be a bit boring, but... No, it might be boring, not with you doing it, Matt. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I'll dress it up, don't worry. Smith Newborough is in Cardiff and uh, says, will we ever see your kids in another motorhome holiday company video again? Oh, 
<laughs> your children were very amusing in your old videos, in the tours of the motorhomes and in the clips for Balloon Fiesta. Cheers. Not his kids. He booked them. He bought them. They, they all come from an acting agency. <laughs> it was Ruben. He became quite famous, you know. He had hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube. And he loved it, going to school, telling all his mates. Well, you've heard from Ruben today. He no longer sounds or looks like he did in those videos, I can tell you. He's now quite tall. He's working out quite a lot. And his voice has gone rather deep. Um, his younger brother, Malachi, he's still quite squeaky. You won't like me for saying that. But his voice hasn't broken. So we are using him in some of the videos. But maybe we should pull some of them out of the archives and put them back on YouTube for people to see. They you'll, were very, very good. They'll be charging residuals, you know, repeat fees. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and they're much more entertaining to watch than me doing a motel tour. Oh, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. Oh, they were, believe me. Okay, that's us done and dusted for today. Thanks for joining us on the Motorhome Matt podcast. Matt, if people want to get in touch, be in touch, stay in touch, what do they need to do? Easy. Just go to motorhomematt.co.uk forward slash askmatt where you can submit your question. You can record it as well. Hit the orange button. We'd love to hear from you. But please tell us where you are. And if you're listening on Apple or uh, Spotify, please would you leave us a little review. A five star would be great. Apparently it makes a massive difference to the algorithm. We've no idea who he is. <laughs> Albert's rhythm. Is that what we call him? <laughs> Algorithm. Algorithm. Yeah. But it does make a difference. So we really would appreciate if you could leave us a review there. Um, it makes us feel all warm and fuzzy, doesn't it? It does. And don't forget YouTube. There's a pile of content on YouTube. I mean, with the podcast you're listening to us, the theatre of the mind, we can open up the world to you, but we can't show you <laughs> the little details on film like you can see on the YouTube channel. So what do people do to, to get in touch with that? Just go to Motorhome Matt on YouTube, hit subscribe and hit the bell as well. And then the gods of YouTube will tell you when there's a new video to watch. Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. Motorhome Matt.